You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts because we've got a lot to talk about, particularly things that happened over the weekend. A couple of losses, one particularly, particularly embarrassing loss for the New Orleans Pelicans, which, depending on how you look at this, is either a good or bad bad thing, but we need to take a look at that because, my God, this should... It's funny now in hindsight, but in the moment, this was incredibly dumb. It's really bad, and I think it's almost a bad look for the team. We'll explain that. And then, of course, it is game day here, not in New Orleans, but in Dallas as the Pelicans take on the uh, Dallas Mavericks on the road, a game that's actually kind of important to the tanking standings. We'll take a look why. We'll also say why the Pelicans are probably going to be tanking more going forward based on some things that Alvin Gentry said late last week. So let's do it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start first with the loss to Portland at home on Friday, a 122-110 defeat to the Trail Blazers. This game was the Julius Randle game where he was 20 of 34 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep, and scored 45 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Pretty good numbers, except it also was in a 12-point loss. I don't want to discount what Randall did in this game, and it was truly the story of that night. But the numbers feel a little bit hollow. This, the dude's a force, and he can get to the rim, and he can score. And if you need a bucket, he can just kind of get you one down low. And I can tell you from talking to people around the team, the coaching staff absolutely loves him. You know, they're going to be making a push for him to really be brought back, not on a short-term deal, but likely a long-term deal when we hit this off season. But at times, it just doesn't translate. You have a guy who's putting up 45, and you can't get the win there. And this kind of feels like what we've seen with Davis for a number of years. Didn't help that Randall was 3 of 11 from the free throw line, or that he had 7 turnovers. But when your usage rate is that high, and 34 shots is extremely high, it, it kind of is what it is. He was also uh, minus 9 on the night. So was it his teammates weren't helping him? Or was it that he just wasn't as impactful as he could be? It's tough to argue with 45 points. Let's let's be honest here. But at the same point, it's probably a combination of the two things I just said. So I don't want to just say, oh, he put up 45. Who cares? No, he played in this game. be like as a number one option on a team the question is can you build a team a winning team around him as a number one option with say nights like this the seven turnovers are a little bit killer he's a much better free throw shooter than that so I don't think you're worried about that long term and then the defense can be an issue too particularly in a game where he's got a very heavy usage rate Alfred Payton in this one 
notched his third straight triple-double. He'll extend that streak to four with the game we talk about next, the loss to the Phoenix Suns. Four of 11 from the field, one of four from deep. He was five of six from the free throw line. 14 points on the night, 12 rebounds, 16 assists, just one turnover. He was pretty great in this one. These triple-doubles now become a regular thing, though I think he's not playing particularly, or he's playing particularly well. The team's not able to turn it into wins, but when you're missing Drew Holiday, when you're missing Anthony Davis, that's going to be something that happens. Portland in this one played well enough to win that you wouldn't say anyone was outstanding. 24 points from Damian Lillard, 23 from CJ McCollum. They kind of go out and do their thing. This was just a deeper team than the Pelicans were ready for. Rodney Hood, 17, and his canter, 17. Zach Collins, 12. Nurkic, 11. Seth Curry off the bench, 8. So on and so on. And when the Pelicans don't really have anything like that, it's not really going to work. Uh, Dyrus Bertans in this one, Bertans, sorry, did not play as the team was clearly going out there to try and win, um, but just unable to get it done. Portland beat up New Orleans a little bit on the offense and defensive glass. They had a pretty big free throw disparity as well because the Pelicans' defense was bad in this one. The Trailblazers took 32 attempts, making 26 of them, whereas the Pelicans took a total of just 25, only hitting 12. It's likely your difference there in this game on the night. Portland also tried to get out and run whenever there was a turnover. And New Orleans, by the way, didn't have many other than Julius Randle. No other player notched more than one in this game. They had 11 total, Randle with seven of them. Those 11 turnovers turned into 17 points for Portland, who took advantage of kind of a slower, sluggish maybe, I don't know how you want to describe them, uh, New Orleans Pelicans team en route to the 12-point win. So this game kind of tells you what you want in the offseason. If you liked this game from Julius Randle, and I can guarantee you the coaching staff did, then you feel comfortable making a maybe a bit of a bigger offer in the offseason. I think, you know, ideally you'd like two for 15 or two for 30, so 15 a year. But would you be comfortable with three for 45? What about three for 60? I think anything four years or, uh, or you know, is going to be too much there. But what about three years, 20 million a year? What's kind of your threshold where you feel comfortable? I think that's kind of the interesting question when it comes to Julius Randle right now, and when we'll explore more this offseason. But certainly, the coaching staff liked what they saw. If you liked what you saw from him and you thought this was great and fun and can build a team around it, well, then you should feel good about what he showed here, and he's going to get the chance to kind of showcase himself the rest of this season. He's one of the few guys that's really going to be playing. But if you don't, then this game makes you really worried put up those numbers. It's a loss. Look, there's not the most talented people around him right now. Absolutely. But this is kind of your litmus test on what you feel, especially because there's so many times where he's going, you know, one on four, one on five, just ISO, 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 or just dump the ball down low, no movement, no passing. But sometimes you could, it's effective and it works. Look at James Harden in Houston. And I know I'm not really comparing the two. Something just to consider at this point with his future up in the air for the New Orleans Pelicans. So before we get to the unbelievably embarrassing loss for the New Orleans Pelicans, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is right around the corner, and it is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past? 
passed its loss to a 16 seed last year, and can Kentucky get back into the Final Four? If you know the answers, first tell me so I know what to bet. Or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the industry, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking like 48 hours fast here. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while your picks cash in. Deposit with my bookie today with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So the Phoenix Suns loss, you know, I don't know where to start with this one. And, you know, we could recap the game. It was a 138-136 overtime loss to the Phoenix Suns, um, which hurts the Phoenix Suns a little bit, them winning because they're really in the running for the number one overall pick. They have the second worst record in the league. And any distance there certainly isn't maybe a good thing getting away from the top three, which they're now kind of a little bit in danger of. Um, tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers in the win column for the second worst record. So there's a chance now with one more loss, um, they switch places and then you get kind of closer to Chicago. New Orleans, I guess, is happy because it kind of helps them in the tanking standings and puts the Lakers a game behind them in the win column. So I don't know, you know, if we want to look at this where, hey, New Orleans played decently well and shared the ball in this one. Only one player, Julius Randle, had over 20 points. And that was 21 points from him. He also had 11 rebounds, five assists, but also five turnovers. And he was eight for 20 from the field in this one. And then you had nine guys scoring double digits. Anthony Davis started in this one. He was six of 11 for 15 points, 11 boards. You had Kenrich Williams at least hit multiple three-pointers in a game. Again, he was two of three. He finished with 10 points. Frank Jackson was four of 13 from the field, uh, but overall from deep, he was 50%. Three of six in route to 14 points. Alfred Payton put up his fourth straight triple double 16 points, 16 assists, and 13 rebounds. He didn't do it on great shooting, just five of 12, but still. Diallo had a double double, 10 points, 10 boards. He still looked pretty good. Darius Miller had a stretch in this game of great defensive plays and great offensive plays. He was four of six from deep. By the way, 16 points on the night. Jaleel Okafor in 20 minutes, his ankle, or in 18 and a half minutes, his ankle's maybe feeling a little bit better. Five of seven from the field in route to 15 points. Then Ian Clark chipped in with 11. You had Darius Bertans score his first points in the NBA by hitting a three. That all looks kind of good, I guess. You know, New Orleans converted on the 22 turnovers from Phoenix for 30 points. Um, so they got out there, they ran in the fast break on the flip side of all of this, Kelly Oubre jr. For the Phoenix suns guy, they traded for looked pretty good. 32 points on the night, six rebounds for him. He was two of eight from deep. He's a restricted free agent, maybe going to get brought back by Phoenix since they have money to burn and no one's going to be, um, signing with them. Um, then you had Devin Booker go 12 of 26 from the field, 40 points, 13 assists on the night, but he also had seven turnovers. We don't like those type of numbers here. And it was just kind of enough. They were top heavy there in Phoenix while New Orleans went deep in this one. And they managed to get it to overtime. And then none of this matters because of the end of the game. New Orleans is up three. There's a couple seconds left on the clock in overtime, mind you. 
And New Orleans has possession of the ball. So they take a timeout to advance it, to inbound the ball from their half and try and just get an easier inbound, maybe then a quick foul or quick bucket. And basically you can ice and end the game. You're in really good position here if you're New Orleans. But as they struggle to inbound the ball, Alfred Payton looks like he's about to call a timeout. But the Pelicans use their last timeout to advance the ball. So Alvin Gentry streams up, flies up the court to basically tell Alfred Payton, don't call a timeout. You know, we're talking about March Madness. Go back to uh, Final Four, what, 20, 25 years ago with Michigan here. We know how this ends. So he doesn't call the timeout. It's a five-second penalty. The That means that the Phoenix Suns get the ball back. They've got the ball down three. All New Orleans needs to do is foul. Foul, send him a line for two, get the ball back. You can play the foul game till the clock runs out and you win. And New Orleans, who is trying to win games, mind you, because Alvin Gentry wants to win, the coaching staff wants to win, and these players do want to win the game. Um, so are, are trying hard, and you can play the foul game till the very end. So the Phoenix Suns inbound the ball, screw, you know, race down the court, are moving it around, looking for a shot, and they'll probably take a quick two here, except everyone gets lost. And Josh Jackson hits a three for the Phoenix Suns to tie the game. New Orleans was just unable to foul, or I don't know, didn't realize they needed to foul until a little too late, and it just caused some confusion. And it was just a bit of a disaster. That's bad enough. Like, that's bad enough. But then, immediately after that three gets made, Alvin Gentry, who, mind you, about 30 seconds ago, was like, don't take a timeout, Alfred Payton, because we don't have any left, calls a freaking timeout. One that the Pelicans didn't have. This is a technical foul. It gives the ball uh, a technical foul shot to the Phoenix Suns. So Devin Booker goes up, hits it, and that's basically all she wrote. At this point, they, um, yeah, or was it two shots, whatever it is. And it, this is how they lose the game. Because they, Alvin Gentry was saying, we don't have a timeout, don't take one. And then forgets that and immediately takes a timeout after it made three by the Phoenix Suns. And that's how you lose, and that is a masterclass in how to throw a game away. This is good for the Pelicans if you want them to lose games. When you look at the, the standings right now, they sit in the eighth spot, tied with um, the Washington Wizards in the win column, but a game ahead of the Lakers, or worse than the Lakers in the win column, which is maybe good. They're eighth instead of tenth, which carries a difference of it for a top four pick. Right now, the Pelicans have a 26.3% chance versus 10, which is 13.9. Okay, cool. You got about a 13.6 increase right there. Not too bad. But if they want to win games, it's not good. It's one thing to lose a game. It's another thing to lose a game in embarrassing fashion like this, built around mental mistakes, and I don't know what the hell you want to call it. You know, this is a team that at times is thought of as kind of the laughing stock around the league. They're not dysfunctional, I would say, but certainly I don't think they're thought of in very high regard. And we've seen that this Anthony Davis situation was kind of a shock to the system and a wake-up call where, hey, we need to do things differently because we don't want to be thought of as also rans in the league. You do things like this, it does not help that cause and is not going to help you with your reputation around the league. And Gail Benson, who seems very set on investing in this, putting the right culture in place, a winning culture, um, sparing no expense, and doing all the right things, this is going to severely, or you would hope, severely influence her decision to retain or not retain Alvin Gentry this offseason. I, you know, I don't, I don't 
go either way on this. I could see it either way. I think he's done an overall good job given the hand he's been dealt. But if you want to kind of get rid of these black eyes and send a message to the league that you take things seriously, losing in this fashion, the way they did, which was the head coach's fault and after the game, Alvin Gentry said, yeah, you know, I'll take the blame on this one. It's certainly going to not be the way to do it. And this is a particularly embarrassing loss for New Orleans in the way it happened. We can kind of laugh about it now. You know, what is it? Uh, humor is a defense mechanism. But I, I don't know. Like, it's so silly. I talked with people, the, uh, you know, the next day about it. We all just kind of laughing because the stakes aren't there. But what if they were? And, you know, what if they were in playoff contention and this is still what they did? And also, it's just, you know, we laugh about it because it's the team here and the team we like. But, man... People around the league are laughing at New Orleans, not with New Orleans today or the Pelicans. And that's not never what you want. And I think that's an issue. And this is something that the ownership structure is going to really have to evaluate. And, you know, maybe this is something that just after this happens, you can't retain someone. I don't know. But certainly I think that's going to be kind of potentially in the cards for it all because it was particularly awful uh, the way they lost this one with the timeouts and the technical foul. So what can you do? But good for New Orleans because they lost the game at least and it helps in the standings there. And that's really all you have to say about this one. So before we get to the final segment here, the Saints had a bit of an interesting weekend in free agency with Max Unger retiring, all that, and then who else are they going to sign after making some real good low-key free agent moves. But the center position now open and up for grabs. They made a signing. The guy going to be a starter or not? I'm going to tell you who knows the answer to that, and that is Ross Jackson over at the Locked on Saints podcast. Monday through Friday, get everything you need to know about the Saints in free agency the day after those moves happen. No one else is giving you instant reaction to that. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Saints podcast. So before we wrap up here, one thing to note, we have not seen Drew Holiday now for a couple of games. It's coming close to that week that he's going to be reevaluated. And a couple of people are seeing, and Will Guillory tweeted this out the other day based on what Alvin Gentry said at practice, Will Guillory of The Athletic, by the way, uh, that he it wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Drew Holiday the rest of the regular season. Knowing that there's nothing to play for, Holiday's hit his incentives, just kind of chill out. Now, will Holiday accept that? I don't know. Anthony Davis certainly wants to play, um, give, even given his situation here in New Orleans that he wants out. Holiday's a true competitor. We all know this. Is he going to be comfortable just sitting on the bench, not doing anything? And I'm not entirely sure if he will. But because there's so little to play for at this point, it kind of makes sense, even if there's a risk that he might re-aggravate it, though. It sounds like this really isn't a very serious abdominal strain whatsoever but don't be surprised if we've seen if we see him shut down for the rest of the season because again we said the Falcons don't have much to play for all they're really going to be looking at now is these young guys Frank Jackson Kenrich Williams Diallo Okafor though I think they kind of know with all of those and then also to see if Julius Randle is worth an investment this offseason you're going to get frustrated times with how often he's going to get the ball if you don't like him and that's because they just kind of want to look at this and see. It makes sense. But at least they've shifted from where they were in the immediate aftermath of the Anthony Davis trade situation where, hey, they were trying to win games and hoping they were going to be able to make a run at the eighth seed. 
So with all that in mind, the Pelicans take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight on the road before then going to Orlando on Wednesday and coming back here for the Houston Rockets on Sunday. Could be another three losses in a row for the Pelicans, who, by the way, have lost six straight right now. If you look at tankathon.com, that's in green like a winning streak because I guess over there it is. Dallas, by the way, is close with the Pelicans for the eighth spot, seventh spot. Ninth spot, 10th spot, 8, wherever you want to say. I think I said 8 twice here. And, you know, so this is kind of an important game for the inverse standing. So we'll see how this one goes. Dallas has been playing well, but not particularly well. They're getting close to having Chris Tapps Porzingis back on the court. I think that's the biggest thing for them. So we'll see. No real need to preview this one because who knows what you're going to get. No word if Anthony Davis is playing or not in this one. So we'll see. So enjoy the game tonight. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all tomorrow.